welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And what do you know? It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergod for episode 94 on Sunday, the 28th of August, 2022. In this week's show, we'll be discussing all the big game reveals from Gamescom, including Swinney's dream announcement. PlayStation have revealed their snazzy new DualSense Edge Pro Controller. We try out Splatoon 3's big world premiere and lots of juicy analog pocket news. As always, I'm joined by the illustrious Swinney. Illustrious, I am. <laughs> and uh, we are one member down. He is down with a combination of monkeypox, Chinese coronavirus, uh, chickenpox, and AIDS. So we, we're hoping that Mike is well. <laughs> I think you've just flagged a video for about 10 separate things there. <laughs> I hope that the, the music over the top of it is going to distort my voice enough. The, the music that I, I can't hear, so I'm like... Mm. You know how awkward it is to have to pretend that you're hearing something? Yeah, I've got to reinstall the drivers since that you guys whinge about it every time. It, that it no, I, I normally don't whinge. It's just I just realised that I'm like, wow, it's super weird to have to pretend you're listening to something. Or like, <laughs> I don't have to pretend, but it's like weird for me just sitting here, you know? That's true. That's true. I, I, I did notice you're trying to bop to the beat, but then we've got a subtle delay as well, so it doesn't work at all. Hey, I'll be able to see if I actually got the beat, even though I didn't hear it. That's true. If I, was I on tempo? That's, you were pretty that's good, actually. Question. Pretty, huh? pretty, pretty good. My my mind, you know, that <laughs> shut up. The internal beat that you have uh, in your yes. mind. So this week's show, big one. So we've actually removed our normal banter session section of what we've been playing, which we did actually talk about offline, strangely enough. Um, so maybe we should have just recorded it anyway. <laughs> um, but if you do want to join our Discord, like and subscribe our videos, do all that jazz, go to bigwigpod.com or check out all the links in the description below. So we need no hype, no community section, no corrections, no questions. This is a lean it's, show. It's nothing. It's absolute sweet FA. That's what there is. It's the raw, raw brutality. <laughs> I may, I've, I've got it in the note at the end of the show, but um, I guess the maybe I'll reveal to you that I'm actually considering doing a new top 10 feature. Um, oh, a new so feature. Well, a top 10 feature, you know, there's such a such a novel idea. Nobody's ever done it before. <laughs> Very but original. The, the topic that I'm hoping to do it on, uh, which I'll speak to you a bit offline because you don't know about it, um, oh, okay. I think should be an interesting one. And okay. Unique, so not... Unique's a hard thing. Every top ten's been done, but um, something that's very relevant to my interests. So I think, uh, yeah. I wonder what will come first. Like, is this imminent or is this like on the horizon? Well, I've started work on it. So the the thing is, this kind of thing where we can slot in in any show where it's a you know we don't have a, ah, okay. anything planned. So it's not it's. It 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 it'd be ev- what they call evergreen content. Evergreen, oh, evergreen Ever- content. Ever- evergreen. <laughs> yes, Because yes. I've still got my Japanese trip coming up. I'm just waiting for the visa stuff to change in Japan. Then I can complete my playing of every single Mario Kart game. Then I can legitimately do a tier list of Mario Kart games. You know, I was driving the other day <laughs> and I randomly went to Spotify and I just scrolled through the whole list of episodes. I'm like, just play me an old episode that we did, right? Yeah, yeah. 
and it was a long time ago this episode <laughs> on that episode in the intro you, you were talking about doing this Murray Kart tier list <laughs> I think that this this motherfucker I know I under, I get it right I get that you have to you know like I'm the same like I want to cover everything yeah. but this is holding you back. That was over a year ago, that podcast. That's okay. I'm, I'm a like, extremely just, patient You should have just done it. Christ. No, 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 no. It's incomplete. I've played all of the available Mario Karts. I've played the Mario Kart arcade games in the arcades, but there is a Mario Kart VR game that I have not yet to play, and it's only three places in the whole world that you can play, <laughs> and <laughs> Australia is not one of them. So, And... Uh, and here is our show just absolutely starving for content but you know you're not giving it so true do you know what would be hilarious if I do go to Japan and then it's like some kind of COVID rule you can't do the Mario Kart VR thing I'd be devastated well do you even know if those you know will those arcade machines actually be around by the time you get there oh I'm going in the next 6 to 12 months so do you know that they're still they're there right now? Do you do you have got tabs on that? Oh, don't don't say that. Don't, you're worrying <laughs> me now. And actually, <clears throat> I want to get clarity from you. So, at at Super Nintendo World in Japan, there's a Mario Kart ride. Oh come on! Now, come on! <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm going to go to Super Nintendo World. If I go to Japan, I'm going to the Super Nintendo World. But should I include it on the tier list? Oh, you can include it if you want, okay. but to say that you'd like that would have had to have been done to have a complete <laughs> I, I Mario Kart does. tier list. I think it does. Would have been ridiculous. <laughs> I think but, it like does. that that's next level ridiculous. <laughs> but you have to say, who else has done a tier list of everything, including the ride? <laughs> I don't know. Have you looked at there's probably you know what, there's probably some like <laughs> Murray Kart fan channels out there that that's are true. absolutely obsessed that's with true. this stuff that probably might have done that. Like it wouldn't surprise me. Do you know what the funniest thing would be is that if we, if I did this Mario Kart tier list and it just shot up to be like the most popular content we ever did and it's like been built up over a year or two and it pays off you'd be so pissed but you'd like it you'd like it well I'm going to challenge you to do a tier list you or Mike if you're listening mm-hmm. um, to do a tier list that, that gets more views than my Kemco tier list oh that'd be really oh, that, that's a challenge that's a challenge not I, that that mm. video is like in the drop of YouTube that's nothing but for our channel it's pretty big so you guys have to beat that that's my that's my challenge to you guys can I can I go all business minded as I do and try to cheat my way to victory are you going to rename our top clip to like Mario Kart tier list no our Mario reaction videos now Mario Kart tier list no I figure by title only I figure then when like Monster Hunter 6 comes out if I just do like a weapon tier list, any and I just put whatever content in there, that it will get like thousands of views. You know that's probably true. Because oh. people are searching the shit out of that stuff. So I, I don't know. Maybe I could do that. But um, yeah, no questions this week, Sweeney. No, no because uh, we wanted to keep this a nice and tight uh, intro, and that right. has not been achieved. Ah, oh, it's pretty tight. It's a nice five to seven minutes so <laughs> alright then well let's jump into what we've been playing and only one thing we'll mention is that we played Splatoon 3 through the world premiere today so we did. I have played a bunch of Splatoon 2 uh, obviously we didn't have any hands on with Splatoon 3 but we played the world premiere and Swinney is a bit of a relatively newbie uh, with Splatoon so I'm, I'm kind of keen to hear what you thought of it and then I'll share my thoughts as well Cool. Well, I guess if I'm starting off, then yeah. So I am 
very new to the series. I probably only played Splatoon two. I think it was a free play weekend. Yeah, it was a free weekend. I think. Um, and I probably only played it for maybe an hour and a half max. Um, but that was a you know enough to get a taste of what the game is in terms of like you know just how the flow of the 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 game felt and everything like that. So I'm still very new. So what I really wanted to I guess get out of this uh, world premiere you know like demo essentially that yeah. they had out today um was just to basically say okay well is this a game that i would be willing to spend you know a full price on a new, as a new release um or a game that i'd be interested in playing as an ongoing thing um and look it's it's great fun of course you know it's splatoon like uh, no surprise that it's it's a really really well-made game and it's just you know it's definitely very unique in its style in Nintendo's catalogue, but it's still got that Nintendo charm to it, mm. um, which I think, you know, is, it's it's very hard to replicate. That. It's something almost inherent in the stuff that they put out. But uh, look, yeah, I had a blast. Um, how about you, Matthew? What, what's your initial thoughts? Yeah, I, I think as much as people will say, and, and we've got to also be clear that we only got to play um, Turf Wars, so that's the multiplayer content, the main multiplayer content. And then also, it was a part of the, the global Splatfest. So it was the new tricolor Turf War style. So, like, we'll come to those things. But we didn't play the single player. We didn't play, like, all the other content. We didn't play the new, like, mini game, separate game, multiplayer game that is in the content. So we can't judge those things. And from my perspective, as much as people criticize Splatoon 2 as being Splatoon 1.5. Like, so far, I could totally imagine people making and mounting the exact same argument that this is Splatoon 2.5. But honestly, I'm all for it. It's, like, been five years since Splatoon 2 came out. I think it's a massive shot in the arm for the game. Um, You know, there'll be a whole new set of weapons, maps, everything like that. Sort of new coat of paint, which, honestly, I don't think that's a bad thing. Because, like, if you look at the Call of Duty sort of, you know, series, every year there's a new game that comes out, reinvigorates the community you know, does gangbusters. Like, I- I'm fully expecting this game to sell well, to do well. Japan get really behind it. And everything I've seen so far just seems very, very good. And there's some changes, albeit I'd love if they go deeper. There's some very critical things that they've changed in Splatoon 3 that, to me, like, were really kind of, you know, impinging on me actually enjoying the game, like, going forward. Like, I remember when you jumped on to play Splatoon 2... There's, like, no lobby, proper lobby system at all in Splatoon 2, and it's, like, it's almost embarrassing, like, as someone who loves Splatoon, and then it's, like, oh, come and play Splatoon, and then it's, like, how do I join your, like, team? It's, like, oh, well, no, no, because we don't have four people exactly, we kind of can't do that, and you're, like, what the hell, what do you mean? <laughs> like, isn't it, like, Rocket League, or isn't it, like, Halo 3, which we played, like, 10 years ago? It's, like, oh, no, and I think this goes a lot closer to where we need to be, and I think it's past the threshold of, like, useful but it's not quite it's not even as good as halo 3 let's be clear right so there is a pseudo from what we see in in how it worked in the world premiere there is a pseudo you know party system but it's attached to the game mode that you're playing so like we even experienced that when we were playing turf war and i'm like oh let's flip out to go play the tricolor turf war uh, which is part of the splatfest which i really wanted to check out and it was like, there's no way to do it. Like, you basically have to kill it and then create a new room. So it's just, I don't know, it just feels very archaic from those perspectives. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the new Tricolor Splatfest is awesome. It, d- it didn't work the way I thought it would. Like, when we jumped in, we thought it was going to be four. So you get to pick of one, three, one of three teams. 
we thought it was going to be all the three teams against each other, 4v4v4, with the middle team just getting decimated in, in the middle. And it's actually two of the reps of the losing team, one of the losing teams, another two reps of a different losing team, and then four of the winning team in the middle. Now, having played a lot more of that, even with you, Swinney, and without, I think it would be so unbalanced if it was four on either side attacking the flanks of the folks in the middle. Because even with two on either side, I do think an organized team, it's very hard to win. It's very hard to win if you're in the middle. Like, if the two yeah. two people on the sides are organized, because, like, they, they, don't, they shouldn't be attacking each other at all. And they've just got, like, a starting position of, like... They can they can rank up the points pretty quickly, so but it's an awesome mode. I love the new mode, and I think it's really smart actually that it's only the Splatfest that you can play the tricolor mode. It's not it won't wear out. I'll be looking forward to whenever the next Splatfest happens. Um, it was this time it was uh, rock paper scissors. I picked paper, so then Swinney copied because uh, you know we'd be on the same team then at least. Hmm. And I don't know, yeah, like it's gonna finish at 10 p.m. Australian time, so who knows who's gonna win, but. The other thing that I should mention is, with Splatoon 2, Australia was a part of the Japanese region, which was kind of like a bit annoying, because it never felt like it was really snappy, the latency of the game, but you'd always get a game. Hmm. Whereas this one, it's Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong and South Korea, that's our region, which is very weird. But I'm really struggling to find a game sometimes. Like, one, like I waited 10 minutes and took a screenshot, and I couldn't get a game. So, I don't know, I'm very worried that it's going to have the same sort of... It seems better so far than Netcode, but not dramatically better, unfortunately, so... Yeah, it's one thing I wasn't sure about. So we played um, the the three-colour Splatfest yeah. mode, and we were always playing the same map. It, was that just because the world premiere was just really limited to that single map? Was that the case? Or? Um, I, know, I think there are other maps for it, but one thing with the Splatfest is... They typically have a specific map that they use okay. for this Blackfest. So they've had that in the past. Like, they'll have special maps that they use. So I think it's more of an element of that than anything else. Yeah, um, okay. But I'm, look, I'm loving it so far. Like, I don't know why I'm very compelled to try to max rank my character in this Blackfest, even though it doesn't carry over into the main game. I, don't, I know you're not, like, across all the details of Splatoon, but when you play this Blackfest, you actually get, like these clamshell things that you can then alter your gear so it's actually worthwhile completing the Splatfest because you can your gear has like passive buffs that you can actually like improve how you play so yeah like but it doesn't even carry over so there's no point in me worrying about it but I still I don't know I'm very compelled to do it but I'm, I'm looking forward to it I've uh, taken the day off to play Splatoon 3 so when it comes out in about two weeks time so yeah I'm really pumped for it man yeah I look great fun I, I still think I'm a little on the fence on mm. whether or not it's a game I would pick up and play all the time um, and part of that's it's not so much the game itself because it, I think the game is a great one for that I think it's more just my playing habits these days yeah, it's yeah. just not it's something where I've, I've just got to justify whether or not it's it's worth dropping that amount of money for a game that I don't know if I played all the time um, mm. whereas so I think maybe, you know, seeing how the single-player stuff kind of pans out in reviews and stuff is something that I'm interested to see because while I know that's not the main focus of the game, maybe that could draw me in um, mm. and, and kind of, you know, be a, a good companion piece against the actual m online multiplayer. So Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to playing the new mini-games and the other sort of components of the game as well. 
Mm. So for me, it's like super happy that like how the game feels and everything like that. It's not dramatically different. It feels very much like, you know, you could almost argue it feels like Splatoon 1.75 or 1.9 or something like that. Mm. But again, you know, I remember playing Splatoon on the Wii U and it's a freaking awesome game, man. Like they kind of hit it out of the park on day one with that. And it's not a shock to me that it's one of the biggest franchises now. Like even though it's, it's Nintendo's newest franchise um, and you've got what, three games in the space of about seven years now? Some some ballpark like that, seven eight years, um, which is kind of a bit un Nintendo like for the for the grand scheme of it, but but yeah, like I, I'm really looking forward to it. I love the the art style, the music, it, all of it was there in the world premiere, and I don't know, like depending on when we finish up the show, I think it's a long one though. I might try to sneak in a couple of extra games before the 10 p.m. cutoff tonight. You're probably going to be playing the next segment while I'm talking about stuff. Yeah, I should here. actually. <laughs> if I was Mike, I'd definitely do that. I'd definitely do that. We're, speaking of which, that's a good segue. Mike, uh, pay attention. Uh, I throw it to you, Swinney. Yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot about Gamescom uh, or the opening night live reveals and news that came out of it. Uh, we weren't sure what to expect. Um, <laughs> probably should have streamed it. <laughs> I should have probably thought in my head there's there's a bunch of kind of things from European developers that may be announced and one of them was one of the big things I've been looking forward to the most um, which was Deck 13's next game so even going back to our predictions for um, I think it was E3 last year I think it was yeah, um, you know, yeah, yeah, I've, it was. I'd been I'd been predicting oh I really want to know what their next game is I know they're working on stuff anyone doesn't know Deck 13 they're a developer based uh, in Germany and they're well known for their action RPGs and uh, recently their Souls likes um, so you know they they really kicked off their kind of you know their, their Souls like journey with Lords of the Fallen which funnily enough we'll be talking about next um, and the Surge games and the Surge games are the ones that I think really um just, I guess, staked their claim in, in the industry as, you know, as really, really um, a, a, a developer to, you know, really look out for. And The Surge 2 is one of my favourite in that, that style of game. But they, yeah, they announced uh, their next game, which is Atlas Fallen. Um, so, cool. yeah, it's interesting because, you know, like I said, when we talk about Lords of the Fallen and Atlas Fallen, it's like, yeah, okay, it's very similar, but that's fine. Like, it, I'll actually, about the name stuff, I'll come back to it, but there's an interesting note about um, the name of the game later that I'll mention. But yeah, so their last game was The Surge 2 in 2019, and Atlas Fallen is coming uh, next year for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. And the trailer was honestly, a, from a budget-wise, a very impressive CG trailer. Mm. Um, so I have a feeling that they've probably gotten a, a good budget for this game. Um, with a snippet of gameplay in the last few seconds which are like oh i want to see more because you know it i think i've actually watched some people kind of you know react to this trailer and i think that last snippet of gameplay is like what hooked them because oh, yeah. it's like oh <laughs> actually that looks really cool you know so the interestingly the media did actually get um a good look behind a behind closed doors at the actual gameplay so um Basically, thanks to um, uh, Simon Cardi of IGN, who's a, it's actually a pretty cool dude. I've listened to a lot of him on podcasts and stuff, but he actually did a good write-up over at IGN um, where basically saying that this it is an action RPG, but it is not so much a Souls-like this time. So it's the f mm. combat style. It's much more fluid. Um, I have no idea if there's um, a stamina system or anything like that. Didn't, he didn't say anything about that. 
but it is much closer to something like your near automata or you know games that have a much faster fluid combat style than a more deliberate souls like like the surge games or lords of the fallen um and it is basically like in a semi-open world and he likened it to near automata in that sense where it's it's not a massive open world or at least what he saw but it's kind of got the elements of you can explore and roam around and stuff which i'm all for definitely mm. um and yeah the basically in terms of gameplay so you've got a gauntlet and that gauntlet is all ba- it's all based around sand and you basically use that to wield three different weapon types made out of sand and then you can swap between those weapon types mid combos and combat and everything so i think there's like there's like a sword whip there's a there's a, a massive hammer there's a um a fist weapon so think of it like your god of war style where you can um or at least the old ones because i've I'm, you know, I'm not familiar with the newer God of Wars, but basically you can really swap between the different styles, weapons, mid-combos and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, and interestingly, they talked about this kind of passive um, meter system that's really based on risk-reward. So you build up this meter during combat, and as you build it up, it unlocks further and further combat abilities, but the more you build it up, the more uh, vulnerable you are, the more damage you can take. So it's all about, okay, I'm going to be aggressive, but... Mm. Uh, it really heightens the risk so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out um that's very much a bloodborne approach of hey you know i need to be aggressive in this style of combat rather than i'm going to sit here behind a shield like your dark Souls style which is interesting Um, right because i feel like more and more games are doing that push forward combat exactly what you're saying like doom eternal was a good example doom as well but doom eternal lent in even further it was like you had like you had to be aggressive or else you wouldn't succeed same as what you're saying with bloodborne I always prefer like a good balance approach where mm. if you defend too much, it will penalize you, but it allows you to sort of play back and forth. But at least it's more fun, I do admit, like a yeah. more aggressive style. Even to me, um, Elden Ring felt more like on the aggressive end. Like you had to, like you were rewarded much more if you kind of went a bit more aggressive yeah. in there. And one of the cool elements that you did see in that, that snippet of, of gameplay at the end of the trailer was the ability to actually like traverse around the world by gl- gliding across like sand dunes and things like that. And it's very much it reminds me of almost like Journey, where you know that feeling of like gliding down a sand dune. It just it looks cool, and mm. if if they get the feeling right in the the game feel of it, then I think that can be possibly you know one of the big hooks of the game is just hey this feels cool to move around the world um and they you know the whole sand plays into the gameplay elements where apparently you can raise structures out of the sand and stuff and it's funny this whole emphasis on sand because um my prediction around oh deck 13's game is um oh it could be like an egyptian souls like with aliens and stuff it's obviously not based in Egypt, but hey, uh, at, least the, at least the sand elements. There, I kind of so. give you, I give you credit. <laughs> no, I don't, don't, don't take the win from yourself, man. Like, to be honest, I, I feel like if this was called Egypt something and yeah. you changed nothing else in the trailer, you'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see it. So one tidbit that um, most people aren't reporting around, um, because I can understand the nature of it, is so I was looking for imagery so we can you know use for the thumbnail for this and stuff. And I was on the PlayStation blog, and interestingly, if you click on the images on the PlayStation blog, there's text at the bottom of the images, like production text. And it says, concept era rise from the dust. And I'm like, wow, does this still have the previous name of this working title of this game? Then I googled that title. Yeah, yeah, which I'm doing now. That title was in the GeForce Now leak. <laughs> 
attached to Deck 13's name. So even though I'd been wanting to hear, know more about Deck 13's next game, because I'd never really looked into GeForce Now Elite, because I'm like, I, I just don't want to know, because, like, you know, sometimes you want to be surprised by stuff. Oh, yeah, right? I'm, I'm very much like that. But that, yeah, like that, so that name was out there um, a, a long time ago as, you know, in a in this credible leak, which, you know, at this point is, is all <laughs> confirmed. Oh, um, that, that leak is like a thousand percent. Yeah, confirmed. so interestingly, so this game used to be called Era Rise from the Dust, and I don't know, I kind of like that name. Um, honestly, it's, to me, it's got more, a bit more of a hook to it, but, well, yeah. Ultimately, the, you know, I think the, the game, the game itself is what's most important and I'm really looking forward to this Deck 13 um, uh, just going strength to strength these days so. yeah definitely nice alright yeah. well let's get on to another one of your your faves what is this is uh, the or number two or what is this what is this, this yeah so the reason why these are next to each other is because this is also related to Deck 13 uh, because the Lords of the Fallen the what? sequel reboot trailer spiritual sequel I'll, I'll explain that a little bit in a second but the lords of the fallen hmm. um had a trailer reveal and deck 13 made the original lords of the fallen game so it is very weird that these two stories were in the same uh, gamescom opening night live but basically this game started originally started life as lords of the fallen 2 and i'll get into history of that in a second but um yeah the creative director these days is saying it's a spiritual sequel but it actually takes place a thousand years after the events of the first game so i'm like so it is a sequel it, 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 saying it's a spiritual sequel is weird because it's not like spiritual sequel to me is oh we don't hold the rights to the game and we just want to make a game that is spiritually this is a legit sequel but anyway like if they say it's a spiritual sequel then uh, it is what it is but mm. From a marketing standpoint, it, I think it, it's a good move because it means that, you know, people... The number two can often push people away. They're like, oh, I haven't played the first one or whatever. And this is almost like... It is almost like a reboot in a way. But basically, this game is coming to PC, PS5 and Xbox Series X. So if anyone doesn't know, the original Lords of the Fallen was a 2014 game that came out on Xbox One, PC and PS4. And actually got a mobile port, weirdly, in uh, 2017. But yeah, it was made by Deck 13 Interactive. It was one of the first Souls-like, or Souls clones at the time. And it got a lot of flack for that because it wasn't a thing... You know, these days, Souls-likes Souls, Souls -likes are all everywhere. Yeah. But back then, it was like, oh, they're just copying Dark Souls. So it got a lot of flack for that um, because a lot the design was essentially just lifted in. They did add some elements to it, and the game had a very different feel than Dark Souls. It was much chunkier. Um, and a lot of people often, often call this game Chunky Souls at the time, which is kind of funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I found a decent audience. Not everyone loved it. I quite enjoyed it, um, but it actually ended up being given away as a Games of Gold title in uh, 2016, and so it actually found a bit of a, a resurgence when that happened. Um, but yeah, so Lords of the Fallen 2, so I mentioned that there is a bit of history with this. So Lords of the Fallen 2 was actually announced back in 2014, and Last week we were talking about Dead Island 2 and yeah, they're, yeah. Very, they're very similar in terms of these games have changed developers or changed some developers and kind of had this long period of in development. But it was announced back in 2014 with a planned release date of 2017. Um, CI Games uh, were handling development and, they, and they're still involved with this. They're, they're the ones I sent, I believe, own the IP, but um, I'm not 100% on that. 
um, but they're working alongside a, a studio named, named Defiant Studios. So in April 2020, CI Games confirmed that Defiant Studios had been moved on for the project, and, and then the new studio, Hexworks, based in uh, uh, Bucharest, is that how you say it? I'm never, never good with that. Mike, Mike would, this is where we need Mike to be able to say that, um, and Barcelona. So uh, Hexworks are basically, the, you know, then together with CI Games are now working on this, and it's obviously renamed to The Laws of the Fallen. Which, so which the, sorry, i got to jump in, like, because I didn't have a good time before. This is, like, one of the dumbest names, like, of something that doesn't... Like, I get it if you're up to your fifth or sixth game, and then mm. you start to play around with, like, the this or the Predator, yeah. or Predator, Predators, all this shit. But having this as the second game, even though I get that they're saying it's not a direct sequel, but to call it The Lords of the Fallen, mm. and the original game is called Lords of the Fallen, is so dumb. Like, sorry. It's a terrible, terrible... They should change the name. They should change it to Lords of the Fallen 2. Does anyone complain about Xenoblade Chronicles 2 or 3? They're not like all directly linked like explicitly as sequels. Like some I, people some some people did complain about Xenoblade, Xenoblade Chronicles X though. <laughs> Xenobread. Xenobread. <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles X though did get a bit of there was Why? confusion when that game came out because people weren't sure is it number 2 is it name 2 <laughs> no. and then number 2. But that's oh, no, better. I remember, I remember Lords the of the time. Fallen X is better than The yeah. Lords of the Fallen. Um, oh, sorry, I just need to say that. Yeah, I look. I'm just. I'm. I'd prefer the Lords of the Fallen over just calling it Lords of the Fallen again. Like so many games these days are just oh, using yeah. the same name. But why not like, just I call it Lords that. of the Fallen Two? I agree. I, I agree. It should be. Um, but basically, the 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 trailer was also pretty damn uh, high budget and actually had uh, Joseph Quinn, uh, who's Eddie from Stranger Things season four, who's you know a bit of a become a bit of a mini uh, sensation with the whole um, playing uh, Master of Puppets on top of the thing in the in the show and stuff, but he was narrating the trailer to Danzig's mother, which at first felt like an odd choice, but it kind of mixed in well, I think. Um, but basically, in terms of the game itself, we don't know that much. They have said that the world is five times larger than the first Ooh, game, sure which, that. yeah, well, it's like the game, the original Lords of the Fallen had very tightly mapped areas it was very much in the realm of Dark Souls 1 where okay I'm going to unlock another shortcut and open that door blah blah it was all interconnected which stuff. I love man the design yeah. of Dark Souls 1 yeah so basically you know this 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 followed in, the, in that vein but saying well it's going to be bigger it's like well that doesn't necessarily mean it's better yeah. um, we're, we're on we're on the page of big is not always better people audience yeah. you know but uh, the last thing they said that they have a full gameplay reveal planned for later this year. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, you're, you're just—it's all coming up, Swinny. If we did this uh, Gamescom <laughs> stream, you would have been like, the table would have been lifting. You would, your head would have bobbed down. That deck thirteen announcement yeah. would have just floored me. I would have been holy shit. That's so. true, and I would have lost my shit about uh, this announcement, which I was very pumped for. I was hoping would happen. Uh, whilst not an official part of Gamescom, PlayStation did something uh, to reveal during Opening Light Live their rumoured DualSense Edge Pro Controller. So touted as the first ever high-performance, ultra-customizable controller developed by Sony Interactive Entertainment. We do not know a rele release date yet or a price, but you would imagine that would be next calendar year at the earliest and probably the latest. Uh, the features will include two back buttons which have got two replaceable types you can remap and deactivate any 
button mappings, customize stick sensitivity in dead zones and trigger travel distance. You can save up to five controller profiles using the function button on the controller to instantly swap profiles. Changeable stick caps, there's three types. Massive, replaceable stick modules with different types sold separately. A braided USB-C cable comes with a case with USB-C charging and retains all other standard DualSense features. Sony, I gotta zoom in on this one. Chef's kiss. <laughs> this is like honestly, I literally would not change one single thing. Like I, I hear people like why and there are like four back buttons or back paddles. I don't have an elite controller. I've had controllers that have one or two buttons at the back. I never ever find myself using two. Like like I would only ever use one and I feel like my brain is just not at a stage where I can <laughs> you know press all four buttons at the back. Mm. So I'm totally comfortable with them just having the two at the back. I know you have an elite controller. What is what is your sort of perspective on that one? Yeah, the only time I find having two on each side useful is if I'm playing a game where I'm wandering around a lot and I'm like, okay, if I'm navigating this this open world a lot and I just want to just like rest one of my hands, then oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. useful to have two in the yeah. back there so you can, you know, have one as an action button, one as a cancel button, whatever. But you don't need them. You don't. Like, you don't... Like, I think just having a back button on each side is, is good enough, honestly. Yeah. So. And you know, I was a big, big, big proponent and fan of the DualShock 4 back button attachment. Um, I love that thing. I bought a couple of them, actually. Um, and, yeah, there was a bit of a shame that they came so late in the cycle. And they're obviously a bit of a test run for Sony in terms of, like, you know, what's the feedback from people? How do they feel about these things? I'd love... You know, they've probably got data on it as well. Um, but, yeah, man, like, some of the things that this addresses... And, they, like... I typically was like, oh, I kind of want the Elite controller because I'd like to just have an Xbox controller at my house. But it's so expensive. And then the thing about it that you know, made me super nervous was the stick drift. That, like, mm. people still get stick drift with the Elite controller, which I, I don't know, man. Like, surely they're going to be using the best controller, like, levers, analog stick levers. And they're still having problems. It's kind of like, that's bullshit, to be honest. It's like 250 Australian dollars for memory, right? But the fact that you can actually take the whole stick module out of this and just replace it, like, and if that that's works good. how people think, that is in that's like insane, dude. Like, yeah. I will buy the extra, <laughs> extra like modules just to save at the side because they won't like it's not like they will expire or something like that. Mm. And it would just be like peace of mind for me, man, because it's like that shit would drive me crazy. Like, if it starts to drift, because I haven't actually had many drift problems outside of my Switch. Like, I've, I've had a pretty good run, but I know that you have. Yeah, I, my PS5 controller um, drift started drifting within... That's insane. Uh, oh, God. Like, it, we've been a very... something. It was a very small amount of time, yeah. let's just put it that way. So, the fact that you can... look Seems like you can replace the whole stick module is a huge thing. Um, I don't, you know, know if that influenced the decision around this, because mm. this stuff is obviously designed a, well in a lot of time in advance but i think this is really cool um i just hope that one of the other issues and i haven't spoken about this on the show mm. one of the issues i have with the standard ps5 controller is that the battery life just absolutely fucking sucks on oh it like, sucks it, man oh, so bad so yeah. they haven't mentioned anything about whether or not that is going to be different um i don't I, reckon 
it's such a shame because it's like I it basically lasts like a quarter of the time that my Xbox controller do. Oh, so your Xbox re- controller lasts a lot longer. Okay, because yeah. I don't have an Xbox, right? What, so the Switch lasts like double or triple the what I What I've realized is it's part of that's also um, the controller doesn't go to sleep on the... I, I, maybe the settings I haven't done. It doesn't go to sleep as quickly as the Xbox one. So maybe that's part of where I'll put it down, walk away, and I'll almost expect it to kind of just go to sleep and I'll come back in half an hour you know so there's part of that's just maybe you're just checking if there's settings i don't know about with that but um, yeah but yeah so but look this is awesome i think it was a it was a great great little thing to announce as part of gamescom considering gamescom that uh playstation weren't there so yeah, yeah, and the, the way that the jeff Keeley, who we did mention jeff Keeley was uh was presenting the opening night live mm. like it, it was almost like he, he had a bit of a grin when he was talking about this it was pretty funny so well, it's a pretty, like, for, I think when you talk about, like, hardcore gamers, this is a big deal, right? Like, and you've never yeah. had an official OEM first-party advanced controller. And people have been waiting for this, been pleading since the Elite controller. And when did the Elite controller come out? It's like, two, three years ago? Or more, uh, or is it? Because I know there's Series 2 of the Elite controller. Uh, it feels like more than three years. Really? It's original, but I'm not sure on that yeah. one. So, um, I just just want to just say that the uh, I forget his name I'm trying to look it up the the guy who actually leaked this original rumoured kind of store report around yeah. this um, a bit vindicated on that because I think <laughs> you know like some people like oh well this guy who is this guy and stuff so he was on the money they were, they had one in the works so, I, you know. I believed in that guy after the fact oh sh- oh wait no 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 that's not the Elite Controller sorry I was just like in the background trying to look at when the Elite Controller came out and said yeah. 2014 at the start. Oh, no, it was actually 2015. Holy shit. So, yeah, people have been waiting for this for a long time, dude. That's like seven years since the Xbox Elite controller was sort of announced and released. Jesus. Um, so, I always so thought that guy was right. What Do you have the name of the guy? Yeah, Tom, Tom Henderson. Yeah, so, Tom Henderson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was more the publication that I was like, oh, that's a pretty dodgy publication. But then, like, listening to other journalists talk about it, they're like, oh, no, that guy's always on the money. Like, that guy yeah. is a good journalist. That publication's pretty unknown. But, you know, that's why you get people like that to come across, I guess. But, yeah, yeah, he was bang on the money. It's not shocking. Like, not shocking at all. But very welcome. Like, having said all of this, like, DualSense is not my favorite controller. I think it's way too heavy and way too big. It's like, to me, the DualShock 4 is, like, perfect. Like, the, I don't know if you've picked up a DualShock 3, PlayStation 3. It's so light, dude. It's crazy. Mm. You pick it up, it feels like a toy because it's mm. so freaking light. But the DualShock 4 is just, like, nice weight to it, nice heft, like, not too big. I've got smaller hands as well, so, like, it's good for me. But the DualSense is just, like, it's a bit too chunky. Like, I can literally feel like it's heavier. And the battery is so shit on it. And I think it's that freaking... Dual sense vibration shit that the tactical, you know, tactile vibration that it's just a bit like just wears it out so quickly. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's a little just it feels just a little chunky on the sides, a bit, you know, mm. and the fact that with the stick placement for me, like it took me a long time. Oh, to yeah, used you're, to the, you're an off sense stick, yeah. yeah. I, and I think, um, like the first game I really kind of put that to test with was the first Uncharted game, and yeah. I think. You know, there's a third-person shooter where you're constantly having to use the both sticks. So, yeah. Um, but look, yeah, this is this is cool. Um, we, you know, be interested to see what this is priced at. Um, it's not going to be cheap, that's for sure. So. It'll it'll be like two fifty, right? 
Like how how much is the elite controller still? Oh, uh, it's in that in that realm. It's uh, freaking expensive, but uh, like I guess one way that I do look at it is um, that given that you can replace the sticks, to me, like I know I'm banging on about that part of it, but if it if it works the way that we think it does, which is that whole module can be taken out, it pretty much not eliminates stick drift, but if you suffer from it, you have a resolution. You could just replace that module. That to me is going to be worth it because you could end up buying like a controller and then not. I don't know. You, like it's sometimes difficult to get the warranties back in Australia, even though it shouldn't be. Which the Switch had bloody replaceable bloody stick. Well, I mean, like that's like it's a good example, right? If you go send your Switch in Australia to get it repaired, like the drift, you have to pay for it. Like, and I don't think that. I honestly think if they got challenged about that, they wouldn't win that case. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just checked. It was two fifty Australian for the yeah. elite. I, it's got to be the same price. I'd be shocked if they charged a lot more. Hopefully, it's less. But uh, I mean, I that. think can't say I that. think we'll, we'll, we'll in the in the wrap up later. We might, we'll probably talk about the you know the PlayStation prices. <laughs> but um, yeah, the but, trends uh, the trends are not good. I could uh, I could see them getting away with pricing it a little bit higher than uh, what they do with the Xbox. Just uh, really. I could oh. no, I don't think they will. I'd say I think they could get away with it because it's oh. PlayStation. You know so. how I am a man of value. I can afford it, but it's not about affording things. There's there's a value component in my head. Mm. I gotta say, if I've somehow because you guys have bought these bloody ex- elite controllers, I've got it around my head that two hundred and fifty bucks is okay to spend, which it's not, but it's okay to spend. But I have to say, if it's three hundred bucks. For a freaking controller, <laughs> I don't know I, if I can do it. I I could see Sony being oh. sneaky and it's like two seventy or something. You know, God, like, it's just like just a bit more. Yeah, I'm having this visceral reaction because like my my heart's saying you're right, and it and then you know people are gonna straight away go, it's got two less buttons at the back. <laughs> you're getting super ripped off. Oh, it's got two more profiles. So there that's you go. true. That's up. true. That's true. I am looking forward to it. Uh, and something that I'm I'm not sure how I'm feeling about. Uh, so the non-Batman Batman game Gotham Knights got a fancy new trailer at Gamescom which revealed the game is dropping a little bit earlier so originally releasing on the 25th of October it's now coming four days earlier the 21st of October very strange Uh, the new trailer showcased classic Batman villains like Harley Quinn and Clayface I have pre-ordered this game and I am so mixed on this bloody game like I'm a huge Batman fan, as you know. Like, huge, 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 huge. I, I, like, I was looking at it last night, I'm like, it's such a weird game. It's, like, literally Batgirl and three Robins. Because all <laughs> of the other characters are all Robin. Like, yeah. and they're just different names, and they're, like, sh- offshoots of Robin, right? And just the... I was watching the original trailer again, and then just this one, and I'm like, oh, I, I've got a pre-order that I can cancel pretty late in the piece. I'm like... Honestly, like, I'm probably going to have to wait on the reviews for this one. Like, I feel like this one could definitely be a, like, you know, mid-70s type game. And I just don't really have a lot of time for those type of games. And, you know, one thing I have to say is, I know this is... Mid-70s is pretty high. If you do Metacritic, that's pretty high. No, I don't think that's high at all. I think every game gets... Nah, man, even shit games get, like, 70s and stuff like that these days. It's crazy. Sorry. Um, but I like one thing I will say, I know it's not an Arkham game, but the one thing I don't necessarily love about the Arkham games, which by the way, I love them um, as a whole, 
is including the one that um, these guys made is that the combat I'm not like a huge fan of the combat in Arkham like I love every other element like really love every other element and it's one of the few games that I will like play in, in stealth as much as possible but the combat I'm always a bit like meh it feels a bit button mashy like I don't know I know there's a bit of depth to it but mm. and this game's got so much of it. it feels like everything's emphasizing the combat when I watch and then the new trailer is like again on the combat and I'm like oh I don't know something about it it's just it really feels like it could go either way dude yeah I I saw someone comparing this this game the, the concept of this game to Wolfenstein Youngblood so <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've, yeah, 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 you've yeah. got you know like yeah. a new developer handling even though I these guys did work on one the was it Arkham Origins I yeah yeah the latest um, Arkham game yeah but you know they're not rock steady so a no. new developer taking it a focus on co-op um, and adding more RPG elements and skill mm. systems and it's kind of like what happened yeah it happened to Wolfenstein Youngblood and I actually like Wolfenstein Youngblood but I can kind of it is weird that the kind of there's parallels there in terms of the way that this game's been approached but it is it's an interesting one whenever you do jump into the comment sections and reactions of this game it is very mixed mm. um i think it looks cool i just i just it's not a game that i'm like super pumped to play when i haven't even played all the batman arkham games you know that's always going to be something that's like well i'd i'd probably prefer playing through all the rest of them before i ever tackle this one but yeah, well, let's see where it lands. You know, it's. Uh... I think to be fair to us, I would say this is very different from the Arkham games. I think like every part of it, they're trying to explicitly like show that that it's not it's not Arkham. It's different. But, but to the av- the average punter, they're not seeing it that way. No, no, and even yourself, right? And you're not the average punter, so it's it's a it's like a fascinating one to me. Um, Suicide Squad, on the other hand, Rocksteady's game. That's coming out next year or the year after if it gets delayed again. I'm all in on that. Like I'm so like that's a day one guarantee for me. Like I'll be playing that. Even if it's like not great, I just feel like I'll really enjoy that game. This game I'm so I don't know. And it look honestly, I love Batman to death. And I love the sort of rogues gallery. But <laughs> like Batgirl and like Robin and like the variations of Robin, like Nightwing, etc., Red Hood. They're just, like, not very interesting to me. I've never really been super into it. It's only, like, how it relates to Batman and the impact on Batman. So it's like, ah, oh, I don't know. Like I said, I'm going to have to wait for the reviews, and I might cancel my pre-order on this one. It's, not coming, it's coming out pretty soon, so we'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it lands. And, um, the... Oh, shit, what was I going to say? Um, oh, no, I've forgotten. I've forgotten. I was talking I about the Robins. No- I have no idea what you're gonna say. Oh, I don't know. I just you're hoping playing. me to like yeah, to, you, uh, <laughs> jog your memory. It's you say a good happen. point. You say a good point because I can't think of one. No, I, I just uh, yeah. Look, I I want this game to be good for the people that want this game. That's that's yeah. my final thought. Yeah. It, it, look, I, I'd say it's a bit of a shame because if this game is a bang, well, not a shame, but it actually does have a good opportunity. This game because this year it's gonna they get we're really gonna struggle to say these are the six best games. And if this is a surprise hit, because it's got, like, Batman behind it, it will really elevate really quickly. Like, if this is a very, very solid game, like, it's probably the best year it could have ever launched in to try to sneak in a, you know, a game of the year kind of nom, which would be, like, you know, crazy for these folks. So, but I'm hoping it works out. I'm hoping it's good. Like, we'll, we'll check it out. Hopefully it's like a Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy where people were a bit dubious about that game and it turned out really well. So... 
All right, let's get into the other parts of the Gamescom news. So, rounding out the news from Opening Light Live, you want to you want to cover Mike's favorite game of all time? Yeah, so we would have talked a bit more in depth about this, but obviously Mike's not on the show, so we're just we're just kind of putting it as part of the wrap up. Um, Dead Island Two. So we actually talked about this a lot last week um, because the listing uh, leaked early, and Intigot, you were on the money. You're like, oh, well, Gamescom's around the corner. Mm. Oh, that's a perfect time to announce this, Ching. and announce that they did. It was like the one final thing. It was the it's obviously took the wind out of the sails last week, but um, yeah, that's such a shame, man. Yeah, because they had a like really. Dead Island's trailers are always good. Um, they're always like they kind of you know wow. go viral and stuff. Um, oh no, like they're they're, they're they're good in the sense that they they do the job really well. Like people always talk about them. The fact that even Goat Simulator Three like memes a Dead Island trailer and stuff. You know, like they, these trailers are, are infamous, especially the very first Dead Island trailer. Yeah, I, but, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's infamous, but it, like I I definitely think the Dead Island 1 trailer is probably top 10 games trailers. Yeah. Not that it's really, like, relating to the game, <laughs> right? But just as a piece yeah. of art, it's really, really good, so... But, um... But basically, so, yeah, they so they announced uh, Dead Island 2, fish re-revealed, I guess, um, mm. and the, the fact that the game is coming 3rd of February. I think I put the... I don't know if the listing was wrong or if I was wrong in my typo. I said 23rd of Feb last week in our segment, so it's actually 3rd of Feb next okay. year. For all platforms, um, and there's a lot of information out there about gameplay and stuff from media outlets. If you're into that kind of thing, so we're not going to go into depth here, but it uh, certainly sounds like it sounds actually like the game's in a good place from from what I've read. So, mm. and what yeah, I've read. there's some um, impressions already from the media, and they're all saying really, really good things about it. So I want to I want to jump ahead before you loop back to the other two. Um, just to sort of say, like, man, uh, we're, our field is getting infiltrated by the greats of the industry. We'll talk about one a little bit later, but Hideo Kojima is going to be doing a podcast exclusively on Spotify called Brain Structure. So it launches the day before Splatoon 3 <laughs> comes out, so September 8th. Uh, as I said, exclusive to Spotify. It's pretty interesting. They're simultaneously releasing it in English and Japanese, which is pretty cool. Which is the same as uh, another content creator that's just joined the field. He's doing the exact same thing. Uh, and the first episode will be 30 minutes long. It will feature his best mate, Jeff Keeley, <laughs> in a regular segment on news updates. Which, man, that's going to be really fascinating mm. to see how that's handled. And I'm sure Hideo Kojima is going to pull a lot of really cool and special guests. So, mm. man, podcast, man. Like, we, sh- we should start one. They're becoming a thing. Yeah, I uh, I was on uh, Kojima's Twitter um, oh, yeah. when I was kind of looking at this, and I think his Twitter bio says something like, uh, "I'm my body's made up of seventy percent movies or something." Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. That's, a, that's a funny line. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, look, this is cool. Like any, it's really you know, as you mentioned, we're going to be talking about another Japanese developer later doing this. But um, this is something that like the world of Japanese game development now Kojima's very different than the average Japanese <laughs> yeah. don't, don't get me wrong don't get me yeah. wrong but it is like it's great to see that it's be, it seems like it's becoming more open with people talking about it like we have mm. even Yuji Naka you know being open about yeah. his disdain for Square Enix about the whole Battle and Wonder World stuff suing like, them yeah but like but and openly like discussing stuff where yeah. it just didn't happen in the past very often with yeah. Japanese developers so this is this is a great move and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to checking it out it, like that whole space you're right it's so fascinating and the way the culture works is so different to western culture and just 
working at Japanese games companies. I, I was watching a documentary about a guy who worked for, I think it was Capcom. And it's like, it really is like a nine to five job, like in terms of the mentality of it all. And it's like, you don't get paid that well, like compared to what you're actually producing and what they're making. It's, it's the whole thing when I was watching it just felt extremely unsustainable <laughs> like mm. in the long run. So, and you are seeing more and more of these folks, you know, we're going to talk about one later, kind of like branching out of their, their core companies and then creating their own company that engages with the publisher not working for them directly so yeah and i guess a, a shout out to harada from you know the, the oh, tech yeah, and harada, head honcho yeah. and he, him doing his harada's bar segments on youtube yeah. stuff that he's been doing for a while that's kind of that's pretty cool where he was bringing on other developers to do that so he i wouldn't surprise me if he actually influenced um at least uh you know sakurai we'll be talking about later Ooh, so i'll be talking about sakurai is that you re- revealed it we were just playing you know, that game why, for so long i don't know why we, we needed to keep that <laughs> i up liked this. it <laughs> we kept the ruse up <laughs> <laughs> Sick of it. Um, yeah, a couple of other things that came out, and these are just this quick updates. So, Return to Monkey Island got a release date, eighteenth of September. So, just around the corner, which is awesome. Uh, launching on Talk Like a Pirate Day, which when they like the fact that they announced this game on April Fool's Day, and then they're like, okay, where are we looking? Oh, Talk Like a Pirate Day's around this time. They're like, ah, oh, money, man, that's perfect. Um, well, it's also the pre-orders will get horse armor. You, you like, yeah. This what is it? The Skyrim joke, I guess. No, it was Oblivion. Oblivion, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I even yeah. earlier than that, yeah. Tongue firmly pant- planted in cheek with those devs, that's for sure. Yeah, cool little trailer. Um, and the Liza P. So Liza P is the uh, dark gothic Pinocchio-like, Souls-like that um, really turned heads. Um, I think it was last year when the initial trailers came about. But the trailer that they had at Gamescom was just super cool. Like, they're showing a lot more of the story. The game is... Like, it's basically Bloodborne in this, you know, in the, just done by a different developer. And in you, terms play of po- like it's you play as Pinocchio. Well, I'm assuming it, you play as Pinocchio, but yeah, it's got a, Like, they actually <laughs> talked about. They actually talk about. Um, the director I was reading an interview yeah. where they're talking about why they chose Pinocchio. It's because they're new to this world, right? And that's something that people can latch on to about it. And it also. The story of Pinocchio goes to really cool locations and it gave him a chance to you know like i'm assuming there's going to be a level that's in the belly of a whale or something right you know so it's kind of like so it's really really cool um and the trailer just like gameplay wise just looks really really solid um it's coming out on game really impressive yeah and that's that's one of the other things that uh that was announced uh that it's launched on game pass now can i just say that liza p is like relatively a good name right because I think if you said something like Lies of Pinocchio, there's people like me who would just be like, who clueless about the game, would be like, yeah. I'm not fucking playing Lies of Pinocchio, right? But if people yeah. go, oh, this Lies of P's game's got a lot of buzz around it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll check it out. You, you know what would be better? What? The Lies of P. <laughs> very, very, very good. Talking the- of, talking of uh, games that have play on words in terms of uh, their titles... So, a flashy new Necrodancer spin-off has been revealed. Rift of the Necrodancer. So, Brace Yourself Games teased the new game a few weeks ago that we missed uh, when news about Crypt of the Necrodancer's new Synchrony DLC dropped. Fully revealed with a proper trailer this week, uh, completely different gameplay from the style of Crypt of the Necrodancer, gameplay is split across three types. Rift Mode which is plays very much like a guitar hero with a vertical scrolling chart. 
mini game mode, which is inspired by Rhythm Heaven mini games, and boss battle mode, which is similar to Punch Out fights. The awesome Danny B is confirmed with doing the soundtrack again. It will have mod support and online leaderboards and will only be available on PC at this stage with no release date. Interested in this, Winnie? Yeah, this game looks bloody awesome. Like mm. this, I I like what I've... I've never played Cryptic Necrodancer, but I've weirdly watched a lot of it because it's a popular game to have it like GDQ and stuff like yep. that. Um the gameplay style the mixed gameplay style of this it definitely appeals to me a lot more because I I love the Ribbon Him games and Ribbon Tengoku and all that and I just love that another company is taking a stab at it um, and it's a, what a company to do it you know oh yeah and they're just it's just the game just looks cool like the fact that they're even mixing some punch out style boss battles in is just neat even so, though I do suck at punch out so yeah like I haven't played as much of Crypto the Necrodancer but I have played Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring The Legend of Zelda. Just that, you know, title that comes off your tongue. Um, and I freaking love that game, dude. Like, that game's... F- like, uh, you should play that game. Like, or buy it when it's on sale. It's such a good game. And this is when you're about to tell me that you have it. And I didn't know that. But, um... I don't, have, I don't own it yet. I'd like to play that game. It's, I think you yeah, really like, enjoy it, man. There's... Yeah, like... Man, I haven't even beaten Breath of the Wild yet. Like, just let me let me get to my <laughs> Zeldas in as I go. You know, but I like no doubt you will say this is better than Breath of the Wild, and it's going to trigger me. But I I genuinely think you would think this is better. It's a great game, and it's just so awesome to use an IP like Zelda, and they really do it like justice. And there's a reason why an indie was able to get you know Breath of the uh, Breath of the Wild. Um, Legend of Zelda in terms of, you know, as an IP to use. Like, mm. what is it, the first mob to use it since uh, Philips CDI? So, <laughs> and a live bar to raise. Yeah, they, I was about to say that they certainly did a better job than Philips did <laughs> Just with a the Zelda bit. IP. Um, yeah, no, this this game looks awesome. Um, it's, yeah, it's a week, hell of a week to drop it. I hope it didn't doesn't get kind of uh, lost in a bit of the news. It totally um, will, because I didn't notice this. I didn't know that this came out. Like, until you flagged it in the run sheet, I didn't know about this game, even though we mentioned it before as well. Yeah. They've had very bad timing, I have to admit, because, yeah, like, there's been a few lull weeks, and they haven't, you know, I don't know, like, it just hasn't really penetrated above like hardcore people so but it looks amazing and I think the thing about those guys and girls um, behind Cryptid and Acrodancer they just make really high quality games hmm. so that will always you know come to the fore eventually so and I think this game looks like you know I know I'm going to keep saying this shit but it looks like a good Steam Deck game right? It does it does yeah. I, I hope they announce this for, for consoles and Switch and all that stuff so oh it definitely will right like they'll probably yeah. just try to hone it on PC get it all set up and then make all their money on the Switch as they normally do. So, all right. Well, the VR wars are ramping up and we've got big release updates for both PlayStation VR 2 and the next Meta slash Facebook slash Oculus headset. So the PlayStation VR 2 release window, which was updated on social media, has been announced that the PSVR 2 is coming out in early 2023. We've been dripped, drip they've been sorry drip feeding information over time and most recently detailing their fancy new interface features covered in episode 90 so i am very much looking forward to this psvr2 albeit 
you know, in our, you know, final wrap-up of the show, there are little headwinds that make me a bit nervous about how much it's going to be priced. <laughs> yeah, I, I've said it before, and I'll reiterate that I'm, you know, I've been looking to, to get into the VR game for a while, and the unfortunate thing is just, like, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Meta in a second. Yeah. Like, I don't want anything to do with that company in terms of buying their products yeah, and yeah. stuff. And as much as they're probably, you know, the, the value for money, like the, the well, Quest was, 2 and everything. Was, yeah. Um, so the PSVR 2 is definitely on my horizon as a plug-and-play gamer, you know, and I'm, it's just makes sense for me to just go, okay, just plug this in my PlayStation and then that's all I have to do to, to really, you know, and the, the room set up part of it. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like early 2023. So what are, when are we thinking? We're thinking March, April? What are we? What oh, are we? yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I'm thinking like Feb, March, personally. Like I think of that period of time. I think that they were probably pushing for Christmas, like November, and they just weren't able to hit it from a production perspective with all the, sh- you know, issues in China and rah, rah, rah. Like there's so much shit going on. Um, but yeah, man, like the pricing makes me really nervous because like in Australia, definitely the MetaQuest 2, Oculus Quest 2 was so fairly, like it was ridiculously priced to be fair. It was like 480 bucks-ish Australian. Now it's like six thirty, and it, like now I'm like six thirty. It's like oh, I don't think I would buy one. And now I look at the PlayStation VR two, and I'm like, shit, you know. And then in some news that we'll talk about a little later, I'm like, oh man, this thing could genuinely cost like seven hundred bucks. I don't know if I'm going for it for seven hundred, dude. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I'm trying to think when how far into the ps4's life cycle did the P- original ps vr launch or oh. because was it potentially an equivalent to the time that the ps5 has been around or was it further along the re- what i'm getting at is the install base size because we know that obviously there's a lot of ps5s out there but there's still a lot of people that can't get their hands on one yeah. and i'm just wondering you know like the price is obviously a, a big um, hurdle, but you know there's a lot of people out there that probably would buy the PSVR two, but they even can't even get their hands on the original, P- the actual PS five itself as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you, you feel bad for folks that couldn't get it, and then now it's been priced higher, which we'll talk about later. But yeah. it was three years. I just checked it then, so three, three years. years after. So this is going to be two. Year... Wait, actually, yeah, just over two years. Yeah. Wait, was it twenty nineteen or twenty twenty that the consoles came out? I just think we did it. We did a one year like special on um... twenty twenty. That came out twenty twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, two years. So shorter. Yeah, it's a good point. It will be shorter. But the one thing you, it, yeah, interesting. Hmm. There'll be more games to play, right? Because although I'm assuming all the PSVR games will be compatible with PSVR two, that would be pretty crazy if they're not. I I really hope so because you know that would be want, really crazy. I'd still want to try like Moss and, and yeah, same. Astrobot VR and yeah, same. There's, there's a bunch of cool games. So. And shit, I, you know what? To be honest, I never thought about that. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen them confirm that the new one will be compatible with all the old games. That would be really dopey if it's not. Like, I don't know what the reason would be if they couldn't. Shit, you made me worry now. Um, and then the other uh, sort of VR news that's coming out, uh, our favorite company, Facebook, are releasing MetaQuest Pro, which is under the project name Cambria. Um, and it, and <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the Meta CEO, let it slip by accident, pretty much, on the Joe Rogan podcast when he was talking about VR and all these kind of things. And 
you know, basically say, hey, there's new, more advanced headsets coming out in October. Uh, so everyone's like, oh, okay, well, I mean, he's not going to get that wrong. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. So it's interesting and a lot more expensive than the current one. Yeah, they've got a um, they've got a Meta. I guess it's called Meta Connect. They've got an event in October, and they specifically yeah. said that they're talking about it there. So we will have a, a specific. It's not that they're going to drop it out of nowhere next month. So it's again like uh, to reiterate what I said um, during the the, the past the, the previous note is you know I'm not going to buy anything from them, but no. I'm super interested to know how this stuff goes because it will shape not only you know with we're a gaming podcast but Mm. what meta is doing could potentially shape the actual like working world and the business world and stuff and like that that impacts anyone that's you know that 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 does a job we sit in front of a computer you know so yeah um, i like i am absolutely not a buyer in that stuff that mm. we're all going to be like I struggle to get my team to come on video sometimes with stuff, right? The idea of people strapping in a headset on their head and who's paying for that headset, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, when you... I can't even get a good laptop, right? Like, at work, right? Like, they want to get the most bare-bones laptop to me. I just don't see it. Like, I I think there's nothing there. Meta, to me, has wasted, like, a billion dollars. Like, $10 billion. That's how much they spent, dude. Spent $10 billion on VR efforts and Meta metaverse efforts last year in one single year 10 billion dollars it's like wh- like where are they pissing that money up the wall like give me some of it um but yeah like i'm not a buyer in it but uh, you know with everything said i have to give credit to zuckerberg and like i guess appreciation that they have totally lifted the bar in vr stuff and i'm not saying like purely from a technology perspective but the fact that just general people i talk to have like a oculus quest 2 or meta quest 2 and i think like from a pricing perspective it made it more realistic so like like i'm sure even with the price increase playstation is kind of like shit we've got to price this in this realm or else it it just like how are we gonna get it off the ground yeah and so you know the test for me is always like speak to colleagues at work who you know aren't into yes gaming and stuff and ask them, okay, well, what do you know about VR? They're, they're not going to know what the HTC Vive is or the Valve Index no. is, but they're probably going to know what the Meta does VR headsets, you know, whether yeah. or not they know the exact names. Go, oh, yeah, Facebook, Meta, oh, they do he- VR headsets, you know. Oh, if I'm going to look for one, maybe I'll just check them out, you know. So yeah, they sure. definitely have moved the needle in that regard. It's still far from a mainstream thing, of course. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting what this... Um, what this ends up being and how much hmm. it costs. So, yeah, and it's gonna have like facial recognition, like gesture recognition, and you know, like there's a whole rabbit hole we won't get into around some of the posts from Zuckerberg around the new Meta Connect versus Horizon and like how shitty the little you know selfie that he shared looked, like absolutely trash, like so bad. It's like almost so bad that it's like. It's like an elaborate joke, right? That in October when they reveal it, everyone's going to be like, holy shit, look how amazing this is. That was just a big joke that he posted before. But we both know he's not like that. <laughs> so it's like, there's there's no way he's doing it like that. It's like, that is what they have so far, which is just, it looks like from the Wii. It's so insane how bad it looks. 
So uh, all I just want to know is how good are the bottles of Sweet Baby Ray's uh, barbecue sauce going to look here <laughs> in uh, Facebook Horizons or Meta Horizons or whatever. I, I gotta say, like, I want to check out what the time is that they're streaming the um, Oculus, the Meta event, because last year's one was so funny. Like, if it's a reasonable time, dude, I'd be up to stream it because it it was so funny. I literally watched the entire thing because it was so fucking goddamn it, funny. And there was actually gaming news. That was where Resident Evil 7 VR was announced. It could be a really good cringe reaction. <laughs> it's a cringe reaction. <laughs> cringe reaction. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, when they announced the date for that Horizon, whatever it's going to be called, it's that's going to be interesting. <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Um, maybe you should cover the next one because i got a lot to say on the following story. Yes, yeah, so... We had, very surprised out of nowhere, um, and like, I guess, launch of a YouTube channel from the Kirby and Smash Bros. creator Masahiro Sakurai. And, spoiler alert, it's amazing Ooh. so far. Um, so, the channel is called um, Masahiro Sakurai on Creating Games. And within four days or so, it's already amassed over 300,000 subscribers, which is not surprising. He's a very well-known name, especially in the Smash Bros. community, of course. And uh, if anyone doesn't know, Sakurai was a director of the original Kirby games, um, as well as ev headed up every single Smash Bros. game to date. Um, but he doesn't technically work for Nintendo. I don't think he's ever no. technically worked for Nintendo. Um, well, I, I was looking, I could be wrong, but basically he, you know, he started or, or you know, HAL Laboratory and he worked at Q Entertainment for a while and he worked on Medios and things like that and now runs his own company, Sora Limited. So I couldn't see, I could be wrong. I yeah, you might be see right. If he was ever officially like a, an employee of Nintendo, but obviously he's always closely linked to Nintendo for the games that he makes. And so. can can I quickly add? I know you're going to touch on it a little bit, but he has two channels. They're both like the same content, but one's in English and one's in Japanese. Oh, okay. But they're completely separate channels that produce like oh, okay. send the videos out. So he's got three hundred forty-five thousand on one and two hundred eighty-nine thousand on the other. So cool. he's got six hundred thirty-four thousand subscribers in like four days. Oh, well, I actually I, didn't know that. It's so insane. That, yeah. <laughs> it's so but cool. The the channel's videos, um, you can see some if you're watching on the on YouTube at the moment. Yeah. Um, but they're they're so far focused on different elements of game design. So the two that I've watched so far that he's put it, you know, he's put out a bunch of videos uh, pretty quickly. He's yeah, obviously prepared so a whole many. lot it's of crazy. stuff. So one on uh, the you know game design elements like hit stop and frame rates, um, and he's also chron said he's going to be chron chronologically going. Talking about each of the games that he worked on, um, starting you know with the very first Kirby's um, Kirby's Dreamland. So mm. it's just, and these are short videos, maybe like four or five minutes. And the way they're presented, like Sakurai's always had a real good knack for explaining technical mm. things in a very entertaining and um, you know easy way um, throughout the Smash Bros. presentations he'd done. But that's very much focused just on the Smash Bros. series, whereas mm. now we're getting to hear him talk about all this, this cool stuff. And I love hearing about, you know, the, the way that games are made and why they're made that way. And the first video yeah. on Kirby is just so cool. Yeah, and, like, honestly, like, straight away in the first actual video, because he's releasing these little bite-sized videos that are, like, about five minutes max each... And just like, oh, you know, stop for the big moments or do this or that. Mm. And it it's like stuff that you know intuitively, but it's interesting mm. to hear a, a really genius creator how uh, deliberate they are with thinking yeah. about these things. 
and why and almost the naming of all the mechanisms uh, that they do it, it's super wholesome shit man like what he's doing and like I, I I don't I don't think we've called it out so far but he's explicitly said he's not monetizing the the channel at all he's like not turning on ads he's not ever going to put you know any sponsors in the videos or anything like that and he's actually just out of his pocket to pay for the editors oh. and all that stuff like you, it's super wholesome man you, you say that and give, give it three months and it'll be advertising his only fans so. <laughs> no I just don't want to say my next game is a blockchain game <laughs> it's like oh no it's like don't even say that can he can he go villain mode like cyberpunk 2077 or something like that <laughs> But, but uh, yeah. the, the other thing is, he did say his next game is like TBD or something like that, which I was like, oh, that's like a nice little, nice little throw there. Yeah, I look, I, I think um, I never got a chance to play Kitty Kuros Uprising. Um, you know, I think he could have another shot if he wanted to, to go back to that franchise. Because um, I don't think he'll be working on Kirby. Obviously, Kirby in the Forgotten Land no. was a smash success and that series is now you know it's it's no longer you know he's no longer involved with that mm. from my knowledge um but yeah i obviously it could be something maybe he just wants to do something brand new kind of like what he did with q entertainment with meteos because if you remember meteos that was just like out of nowhere kind of just such mm. a cool little concept on the ds so yeah it'd be cool if he also um works with someone else like i'd love if he did a collab with someone in the industry that you just wouldn't expect i feel like he's the kind of guy that would collaborate really really well and would like really enjoy that content i would love if he like steps away from the smash franchise and does a few different things re-energizes so then he feels like oh yeah i'll do another smash game because it would be like a sad day when he finally retires from that franchise because you know right. the joke is like every single game it's like his last like ah. Oh. Right. how about this listen to this yeah sakurai announces he's working with sony PlayStation All Stars Two, baby. He's, nah. he's, he's he's bringing that to life. Imagine he, he's so no, Japanese. That, he would never do that. Not that that would ever happen, but imagine, imagine if that happened. That would be, you know, you just want stuff to happen just to see people's reactions. Yeah, that, that would honestly be so unbelievable. It would like it might be the most unbelievable news story we've covered in the last two years, just because of the the people involved and like, there's no bad blood with him and Nintendo. He even said that he's running all the videos through Nintendo, like, just to make sure they're comfortable with it. Hmm. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, like, I, I fully recommend people subscribe to this if they like gaming, is that he was actually saying, I'm using footage from games, and I haven't always asked for permission. And, like, if people, you know, don't want me to use it, then we'll figure out what hmm. I do. But he's like, it's just so much better to use the actual footage. And then I think yeah. about, like, Nintendo's stance in the last 10 years... Which, it's in their right. It's in their legal right to say, don't use the footage. It's not... Mm. It's their content, right? But it's so funny just to hear a guy who's relatively, like, important in the world of Nintendo. I'm not saying he mm. works for them, but, you know, from a sphere of influence, he's more important than most senior people there. That he's just like, fuck it. Like, you know, I want to put videos because it makes more sense. Kind That's like what, what I'm going to do. do. Yeah, like pretty us. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we're following the Sakurai rule. You know what would be hilarious? If he the, takes the, down... The Sakurai rule. <laughs> It'd be funny if... Because he'll get a flag on his channel saying someone's used your content, right? It would mm. be funny if he actually tried to take our thing down. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which he wouldn't. It's too wholesome. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. So, no, check their channel out. It's really cool. It's going to be... I'm super interested to, to see um, 
some of the some of the behind the scenes Smash stuff because he's already said he's going to cover some of the things in Smash like in the development and why they went one way or the other. So it's mm. you know I would love if he leans into like you know do, like really diabolical topics that you know people have been asking around for a long time. He needs to do a video on the trip mechanic in Smash Brawl. He needs yeah. to do the tri- he needs to cover why why he implemented that horrible thing. Or just like I just want to hear him talk about melee or you know just his reflection on the current community because he, he rarely says anything about that stuff because mm. Nintendo don't want to promote it right so yeah stuff like that is super fascinating super super fascinating so I definitely check out Masahiro Sakurai on creating games it's not quite so catchy but <laughs> and he doesn't have a short URL for us to send it to either I don't think it will ever change but just type in uh, Sakurai, Sakurai YouTube yeah. and you'll find it you'll find yeah, it yeah yeah stolen our the name of our shows <laughs> imagine that imagine if he, he released something it was big weekend gaming on it's like damn you sakurai <laughs> all right let's jump into the final news story and swinney you know sit back just relax uh take a load off there's more analog update news so another week another set of analog updates so the Analog Pocket itself was updated this week. So the Analog OS V 1.1 Beta 2, along with the Open FPGA version 1.1. Some of the cool changes um, that they've actually clarified the whole license situation, which was sort of you know rumbling in the community around how you know these licenses can match up with some of the stuff that's already happened with Mister. So it's very important that that has been clarified. Um, ability to change cores in the menu you know view longer file names like some of these like quality of life stuff uh really cool news that they've actually flagged that the original display mode so they're the really cool you know vintage um you know display mode so it makes it look like an old school game boy or an actual game boy advance that they're coming to the open fpga cores soon so that's really really cool i'm looking forward to that um currently obviously given that there's lots of updates this update it's actually broken the Neo Geo core, but that's getting updated in itself as well to make sure it works again. Um, and then the last one is, I think it's a really good sign so far that with analog that they're able to like release um, more consistently. Sorry, um, more consistently. Cough break. Yeah, cough break. Um, See, I'm on. Sorry, I'm on mute coughing so much at the moment. So, <laughs> so like, am I. You don't have that luxury. <laughs> Um, it's really good to see that they're constantly, you know, updating and c- engaging with the community a lot more and they're hitting the schedule that they've put out there. And the big thing for me that I'm looking forward to is supposedly next month, they're going to update uh, the pocket again and add DAC support. So that will mean I'll be able to plug in the analog pocket uh, dock to my analog DAC. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, just getting all the way to the end of it, it means that I can plug in the analog pocket and output to my CRT, like the, you know, Sony Trinitron that I have. So I'm really looking forward to playing some of like the old school Game Boy games, Game Boy Advance games on the Trinitron because I've never actually seen them on there. Playing Game Boy games on modern TVs is is an experience. Like I was playing. Um was it a I think it was a in the Contra collection I think I was playing one of the game oh, games yeah, yeah. there and it's pretty rough so I think you, the idea of using you know using a CRT if you've got still got one to for this I think that's a really good idea actually yeah I'm really looking forward to seeing what it's like because they're not designed for CRTs like this is something that 
I think people get confused because the original consoles, like, you know, the SNES, Mega Drive, stuff like that, they were made to take advantage of CRT effects, scan lines, all that kind of stuff, and blending. But Game Boy was not. It was always built for LCD. Like, that's what they're always expecting. And you even see it with Game Boy Advance that they went really crazy with the palette because the Game Boy Advance, when it launched, was so dim. So they had to really, like, boost up the contrast and saturation and stuff to make it seen. So when you see it on, like, an analog pocket screen, it's like, holy shit, like, it's too vibrant. You can kind of tell, like, they've gone a bit crazy with the colors. Um, so, yeah, really cool updates to the analog OS, the core, you know, functionality of the system. Uh, we had new cores announced this week. Uh, so from Null Object, uh, Tecmo Arcade Core, starting with Rygar, and it's already playable. I've played it on my pocket. It all works. It's really cool. Um, big news around Jitago, so he's probably the most famous, I'd say, Mr. Core Developer. So he's a guy who did the whole CPS2 core, so that's like, you know, Street Fighter Alpha, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, all those kind of really cool games. Uh, starting with the analog, uh, the Renegade Arcade core, so it's going out to patrons on Friday the 2nd of September. He did make some comments in the community, it was kind of interesting, like saying, oh, it's powerful, but it's not quite as powerful as a mister, so it's going to be really interesting to see what the limit is, like what games get on there and what don't. Yeah, so look, a quick question of mm. someone that is very ignorant of any of this. Um, I know arcade boards are very different than, let's say, you know, video game consoles and everything like that, but is this the typically the way? Do they roll these game, things out as individual games? Like, or is Rygar, for instance, not... Is that not using a board that other um, Tecmo games would use? What what some of these things are is they implement a bunch of the arcade board, right? And some arcade boards are multi-system, so you can have, like, different games. So, like, CPS2 is a good example. Yeah, It's yeah. like a system. But the thing is, even implementing that, some of the ROMs don't take full advantage of every feature on the board. So they implement a subset of the board such that, like, a game like Rygar can work, but other games can't quite yet because they, they haven't fully nailed the entire board. Is it... Is it much set up to, like, if they do roll this some of this stuff out as individual games for the arcade, like, is it is it finicky to do it on an individual basis, or is it a pretty simple process? No, no. So, like, so when they were initially doing all of this stuff, so for Mr. Mostly, it's super finicky. Like, the most insanely finicky thing you ever see. Mm. It's like, they are literally getting the physical arcade boards, and then, like, taking the components, the individual components apart. And like decapping them and like analyzing the circuitry and stuff. It's like insane shit. Because like I think you like yeah really have to want to play the game to do that. You know what I mean? It's not. I know some of this. Some of this is let's do it because we can, as opposed to you know let's do it because everyone wants it. But at the same time, um, yeah, like I I don't mind Rygar what I've played of it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do it. So if the analog pocket is a bit simpler then that would be good, but yeah. No, so like the way it's working with this space really is people so far from what I've seen, they're not really looking to make new cores so much as they are looking at just porting existing cores that exist. So with the Neo Geo one, that's a good example. That was taken from like an existing core and the person that ported it never did the code for the original one. It was just like, how do I translate this so this works for analog pocket? And it's like, if it took 100 units of effort to create the core in the first place, it probably has taken 1 to 10 units of energy to port it. 
depending on how hard it is to port, right? So the difficulty with like Neo Geo to get everything working is it doesn't have enough RAM for some cases. So it depends on the system. I think, you know, what you'll see though is once they do things like the SNES and the NES, once you get those things working, then you've got like thousands of games on those systems, right? But with the arcade one, you're 100% right. It's like with MAME, so this is going back into emulator world, with MAME, you've got like, you know, literally thousands of arcade boards you can play. With Mister, it's not thousands. It's like, you know, dozens or, you know, like I think it's around the dozens mark. You know, so a game like Pac-Man, Galaga, they're all done. But there's like lots of games that haven't been converted into Mr. World yet. You know? Yeah. Like you can't play Street Fighter 3 on Mr. But you but the best way to play Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is on the Mr. I would argue. So it's a it's very mixed bag. But once they get like NES and SNES stuff, yeah. it's gonna be massive. So and I'm sure that's coming, but it's really positive that Jatago's jumping on it. I'm sure there are people working on the SNES. Uh, NES is like super obvious because it's just like a system that, you know, definitely the mysterious developer who released all these other cores that I'll talk about in a second, I'm sure he could translate it quite quickly, but I don't think he will. Like, I don't think he'll be the one doing it. Um, so I'm guessing someone's going to try to port one of the existing Mr. cores over to the analog pocket. Uh, and just speaking of which, um, some of the core updates surround some of this out. So that very mysterious specialized 1997 developer who we don't know any about anything about <clears throat> has updated their Game Boy, Game Boy Color, SG-1000, Master System, and Game Boy... Uh, sorry, Game Gear. <coughs> and I should say Game Boy Advance as well. Uh, cores. And it's really awesome and crazy updates for me at least. Um, so the way it used to work is like you'd go into the core of the game and then you're playing it and you have to quit out of everything. Now there's like an in-game menu... So you can actually, like if you're playing the Game Boy Core, for instance, you could switch between like Donkey Kong to Tetris, like in-game. It actually shows you the controls now. You can't map the controls, but it's obvious like that. that's the first step to then remapping the controls. And for each of the cores, there's specific settings that like there's available and some really, really cool. Like stuff like you can have a rumble strength. So... There's actually a rumble pack that you can get on some of the games, and it actually works with these cores if you have a rumble pack, like a DS rumble pack. I mean, who's crazy enough to get something like that? So, um, and then the other big thing for me is that they've separated Game Boy and Game Boy Color cores. So now, like, when you boot the Game Boy, it's, like, literally like an original Game Boy. Like, the Nintendo logo comes down, and it's like, da-ding! It's, I don't know, there's something very, like, nostalgic and iconic about it. Um, and then a few other like updates the Space War PDP 1 core was updated and then the Pong core was updated and that's just like that person like coming up with AGG 23 coming up with some really cool stuff and then finally just on Rumble Packs I was one of those crazy people that was like oh I don't need to get like a Rumble Pack for the analog pocket unfortunately I don't have the pocket on my desk <coughs> but I actually bought this um this rumble pack that's like a repo rumble pack for uh, from an Aussie actually in Queensland uh, from this inside gadgets thing and I ordered it came like I don't know like less than a week later and it's insane dude it's like I, I have this like little cartridge that's like a Game Boy Advance cartridge and like for games like Pokemon Pinball it will actually like rumble 
And I'm like, this is like the coolest thing. Because like, I didn't have any games that rumbled on Game Boy. And I never had a Game Boy Color. And on the Game Boy Advance, I never had anything that rumbled. I never actually had anything that rumbled until the Switch. Um, so it's just like, it's kind of cool. And, I, you know, it'd be kind of actually insane if people started to uh, hack old ROMs to actually add in rumble. Like, that would be such a wild mm. thing to do. So... Yeah, no, very cool. Like, massive updates with analog stuff. It's, as long as people start keep updating, I'm going to start updating as well. So. so so all these updates, and uh, one, one last question from me. Yeah, yeah. Can it support the Game Gear TV tuner yet? Uh, I th- Wait, what do you mean yet? I think it did actually support it. I think you but, could... But don't you need to plug that thing into it, though? Like, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, that TV tuner, Matt, remember that? Did you have that? I think I had it, man. Like, I'm, <laughs> I've got... Honestly, this is, like, a good example of, like, false memory. I'm pretty sure I had it. But... I just, I, I just love the look of it so much. Like, the fact that there's an antenna sticking out of your game gear is just... I love it. Um... I've never, I never got to try it. Like I was always curious because, as a Nintendo kind of fan, you know, back when I was a kid, I was like, man, you can watch TV on on the Game Gear. It's just such a cool. Idea. I, I like. I I probably have a false memory that I have it. You know the whole thing, and you've touched a sore spot with me with the Game Gear. <laughs> that I just kind of hate that thing because of like the fact that I wanted a SNES, honestly, more than I ever wanted anything in my life. Like, that's, like, number one. Number two, Super Mario Brothers 3. And number three, surprisingly, maybe to you, is, like, Ocarina of Time. Like, they're the top three things for me that I wanted, like... I just wanted them so bad, right? And then, yeah, getting that goddamn Game Boy, I was, like, so pissed about it. Game Gear. Game Gear. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like I did have one of these things, because I'm, like, <laughs> hey, looking at it. It wasn't meant to be, hey, let's extend and derail. It was, like... Hey, I just want to bring up the Game Gear TV tuner. It was a crazy thing. It was a crazy thing. That's the whole reason. I got some crazy memory that I had one, but I'd probably be wrong. Uh, I don't know. We wouldn't have been able to afford one, but um, it doesn't work. So I actually just double-checked. So I've actually got a Game Boy camera. The Game Boy camera works Hmm. with the analog pocket, which is really, really cool. It's crazy, man. I wonder if there's people out there making, like, the printer rolls for the Game Boy camera on eBay and stuff. Uh, for the Game Boy printer? Yeah. <laughs> I like, hope There's so. got to be somewhere out there making some... You, you talked about repro uh, Game Boy so. printer stuff. Um, but, yeah, I've just checked. The TV tuner for the Game Gear doesn't work because, oh. the, like, the technology is quite interesting. It actually uses the LCD technology... And specifically that screen to display the image. It's just not a video feed. It's like the way that they Pop. process the video. Come on. Come on, spiritualize 1997. <laughs> Pull your boots up. you got to get the TV tuner working. Poor <laughs> But also, by the way, there are like no analog TV signals anymore. So you literally can't pick up anything, even in Australia. That so doesn't matter. I just, I'll, I'll look at static. You want the static. Yeah, so, like, shout out to all the devs and everyone working on the analog pocket stuff. I think it's really cool, really amazing, um, really cool community. Hopefully people can, like, chill out about the whole Mister versus analog stuff. I think both can exist in harmony. I'll definitely be picking up a Mister when I finally one day find a candy cab worthy of buying, because um, I definitely will get a Mister Cade then. But, yeah, like, very cool update. And I'm, ju- like, I don't know. I-, I like being on the journey. 
But then I think about your situation where one day you'll get this thing and I almost guarantee it'll be like SNES, NES, Genesis, like everything will be available then. And you'll be like, oh, okay, what do I want to play? And just, yeah. uh, I'll be like, I'll just play Dr. Mario on my cart that I already <laughs> own. That's all I'll do. Probably, yeah, probably. All right, let's uh, wrap up the news. So uh, time to wrap up all the gaming news. I feel like this is a bit of a clunky session. <laughs> nah, it's fine. It's worked well in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> but uh, we have in the background a whole bunch of uh, items, and then we just kind of we we need to we need to brand this segment, Swinny. We need a bumper for this. We need to amp this well, one up. I've called it the big wrap up. You can name it something else. It if needs you to want, be the big smorgasbord or something like that. You know, we go in, we check, we smorgasbord. Come on, the smorgasbord's so, better. A bit of uh, or the big sizzler. The big the big. Sizzler. The big sizzler. Can we do that? Yeah, okay, all right. The big sizzler. Yeah. Anyone which, doesn't which know... doesn't make sense for anyone. Yeah. But anyone doesn't know, sizzler <laughs> was, a, was an all-you-can-eat buffet restaurant that uh, doesn't exist. Or at least, to my knowledge, doesn't exist anymore I, in there Australia. There was one. There was one. There was one There's in, like, one. Queensland, I think. Yeah, yeah. But it might be so closing down soon. So in the US, you had the last blockbuster, and uh, now we've got the last sizzler. Okay. Uh, but yeah, look, what we used to, it's a bit of behind the scenes, what we used to do for one minute swing and minute mic anyway was, okay, here's all the potential stories and not all of them get covered anyway. And But with the one minute for the swing, it's like the headlines are set so fast that, you yeah. know, it's like you, you wouldn't be able to get much out of it. So we'll just pick out any that we want to talk about. Um, and hope, I guess we need to give probably a bit more context than we might do um, just based on the headline. But what, what do you want to talk about first to do it? Yeah, it's a bit like this is this is what I always have trouble with because it's like I'm reading the headlines while you guys are talking. Um, well, you think, get it well in advance. I, no, I know. <laughs> I think well, I wrote some of these ones as well. Um, okay, the biggest one that's probably almost a segment. Maybe should we should have done it as a segment is the PS5 increase. So I did call out the other week with the Oculus increase, and genuinely, I think they were losing money when they launched the Oculus Quest Two. And then with the chip shortage, pandemic, everything, I'd imagine they would starting to lose like significant amount of money that they just couldn't tolerate. So they increased the price a lot of the Quest 2. And I was, you know, and I did call it out then. I'm like, how many times has like an item that's released actually gone up in price post-release? Like, it just kind of never happens in consumer tech, right? And look, fuck, like, I feel like I put a bad omen on us. That the yes, PS5, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. <laughs> that the PS5, outside of America, Japan, did they get a price increase? Can you check that? Uh, um, so in Australia, it definitely did. In US, it didn't, right? Which I, you know, is very political, obviously. But in Australia, it was a fifty buck increase to the PS5. Very significant. So you've mm. taken the device from like seven fifty into genuinely, it's like eight hundred dollar thing now. So the the ones that are listed on VGC, um, Europe it just has Europe, yeah. um, UK, Japan. Oh, so Japan as well. Ch- wow. China, China, Australia, Mexico, and Canada so will all see a price increase. It should just say increasing everywhere except the US because that's what it kind of sounds like. Mm. Yeah, and now we've also heard both from Nintendo and Microsoft explicitly that they will not increase the price of the Series X slash S and the Nintendo Switch. I think Nintendo Switch is a bit of a moot point. It's like, they're so well-developed on that machine, like, they wouldn't be losing any money at all, right? So they probably could have a price cut on that machine, so... And um, 
I will just say as well that uh, like both the standard PS5 and the digital versions are getting this exact same well. fifty buck increase exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, fif- yeah, fifty dollars for both. Yeah. yeah. Which which then drives the differential in a weird way because it makes you then just go, why are you buying a digital version? Like, I personally don't get it. Like, there's at least a couple of games you could buy physically that are just so goddamn cheaper than digital. And take my example with Ratchet and Clank. Like, I played it, I didn't really love it, I returned it. Like, that saved me like 125 bucks. Like, that's the difference in the price right there. Yeah, especially with how much these games cost now oh they're ridiculous um, digitally so yeah, yeah the PS, PS5 digital for 650 bucks is kind of wild this is RRP like this, in this is official in Australia no but they're all selling for that right they're even doing worse because they're bundling it they when they go to sell them they put a bloody controller in Horizon Zero Horizon Forbidden West and then you're paying like a thousand bucks for a freaking console it's crazy because it's in some crazy bundle so but um I mean from a business standpoint um, look, this decision is obviously not one they would make no. uh, lightly at all, but at the same time, PS5s are still so in demand that people will pay the extra amount. Like, it's What I hate, really hate about this is, you know, there's PS5 has been out for close to two years now, or getting there. There are people, obviously, that still haven't been able to get their hands on it. Yeah. Um, whether or not it's just because they're just like, like me, it's like, I don't want to have, like... It's not something that I'm gonna like go out of my way and plan my life around. I just want to go and buy one. Yeah. But it really sucks. I had to help you. That, yeah, the, you you did help yeah. me get mine. And um, for anyone that hasn't been able to get it, they're gonna have to the wear this cost now, which kind of sucks. Yeah, you know? it really sucks, especially if you wanted to get it and it just like you don't like with me. I've got the ability to write code to be able to like monitor shit. So like, I bought one for myself. I, when my sister needed to get one, like you I was bought like, ten, you bought ten to sculpt them. No, know. to be clear, like I did not do that. I did not do that. I could do it, but I did not do it. Um, so I did it. I let you know, and then my sister as well. I made sure she got one. But like that's a crazy advantage, right? Like yeah. someone who's just working full time doesn't want to muck around with that shit. Honestly, you could be in a situation where you still haven't got one because of it. Like because some of these things go, they list during the workday. Like, some people, if you're on a bloody building site, it's like, what? Oh, sorry, guys, I've got to drop my tools to fucking buy a PlayStation 5. Like, that's why there's a big scalping market, right? Because people like that are like, fuck it, I'll just pay extra. So, one thing I will say is, Sony could literally put another $200 on these things, and I don't think you'll have a situation where they're in stores. I think people will still buy them at the moment. Like, even if it was 200 bucks extra. So, yeah... Um, well, one thing that I just wanted to mention, so we didn't have our games, what have we been playing this week, but mm. the game that I did play this week... Well, uh, well this is controversial, but yeah, go on. Uh, uh, let, me, let me finish. Uh, I put about 25 hours in and completed Nobody Saves the World, and about half an hour after I completed the game, I went and sat down and looked at some of the news websites and... Then announced new DLC <laughs> for it, so that's cool. It is a it is paid DLC for Nobody Saves the World called Frozen uh, Hearth or Half Half, yeah, um, and it includes new unlockable forms and things. I think it's going to be like that, like five dollars US, so maybe like eight dollars Australian or something. So. Is this this new scam with uh, Game Pass where all the DLC is not free and people are like getting into? It's almost like a new mobile platform, Game Pass. 
that's always been the case with mm. with Game Pass that um, a lot of the companies. Um, well, it makes business sense that where they they will make money off the DLC that they they release. But this, I mean, free updates weren't weren't the norm in the past. Like free content updates, yeah. you know. Like we've been very fortunate that a lot of developers have been doing this stuff to keep the communities alive and things like that. But um, but yeah, look, uh, I'm interested in trying that out because uh, it was a really fun game. So, quick one, like, but I think it's shameful that Dark Souls Three was finally. After like hundreds of days, the PC servers are back online, so you can actually play yeah. matchmaking. It was so bad that <laughs> people could like totally hack your machine, so they just ripped it out of the game and put it in the too hard basket. Released Elden Ring. This was all before Elden Ring, and yeah. then <laughs> so what's this? This is like January when all this stuff happened. It's unbelievable how many months it's taken to come back online, and it's sort of like one of the things that FromSoft. I couldn't imagine ever buying those games on PC initially i think eventually like when they go on sale and everything like on a steam deck that would be really cool but i just like look at even elden ring man like it had so many issues for people on pc mm. the the thing is when when dark souls 3 came out for instance mm. um that game didn't run at 60 on consoles <laughs> whereas it did on pc so okay interesting that was the reason why a lot of like a lot of the content creators in the souls community that i watch we're they doing that on PC, PC <laughs> for that, and also they could use like free camera modding tools sure. and things like that. So, sure. um, but yeah, I agree. Like, the they have a very spotty record on PC. I'm not sure about the Sekiro PC port, but um, but yeah, you just can't trust it, especially if you're going in day one. And you don't know anything else about it, and like honestly, reviewers are just too piss weak to call out a game not working well. You yeah. know, like look at Cyberpunk 2077. So. Yeah. Um, the other one is uh, have we got a date booked in for Game Awards we now know that it's going to be on for their time Thursday December 8th but it's going to be Friday December 9th for us what are we doing are we live streaming it what are we what do you think even if we don't live stream I'll be watching it live so yeah so you can take yeah, that day man. off okay well yeah let's do it then hell yeah right, right, if you need to it. take the day off I'll just I'll just like <laughs> nah no, nah, I'll nah because the Game Awards is you know like fair criticism that they're like just marketing stunts or whatever oh, but that's what all but that's are. but that's what i'm there for i'm there yeah. for the reveals i'm there for the news and i'm there for to get excited about games because e3 obviously hasn't been a thing mm. these last couple of years and the game awards has almost become the de facto e3 hype period yeah yeah for, so, sure, for sure and we've had some really great reveals yes in recent, really good recent uh years so yeah like even even when we watch it and I'm like ah I wasn't like it didn't live up to the hype then I look at it afterwards and I'm like oh that's pretty decent actually like you know some of the announcements it's like oh okay like I remember watching that and you know going oh okay that's cool so hmm. I reckon what you know and we're talking about the show on the show but I think it would be fun to actually go harder on some of the stuff like let's just fucking do every single award like come up with our like you know bingo card on every single award because last time we were like, let's pick the categories we like. But then, you know, the categories will come up on the live stream. It's like, ah, it would have been funny if we actually, you know, actually voted for everything. So let's vote for yep. everything. Yep. But let's also make some, like, kind of like, I don't drink, but like drinking game idea stuff. You know what I mean? Like, let's have a line around what we think, how many world premieres or, you know, like all this other extra shit. Like I think it would be really funny if we do some of those things, and I'll try to make it work graphically. So you you've given me shit about this, but I when I was watching the Gamescom opening night live, 
the misuse of that like that term is World no longer premier. holds holds zero weight now like the it's Gotham, a meme it's a meme now <laughs> the got the Gotham Knights trailer which look I know they showed some new stuff but that was a world premiere I'm like Gotham Knights comes out like in, in a few months yeah. how many trailers have got has Gotham Knights had how many in-depth gameplay yeah I I don't trust you anymore Keely, yeah. that world premiere, I don't trust you anymore. That has to be you. one of the betting lines. Like, how many times are they going to use the term world premiere? Or, like, that yeah. come up on the screen, like a bumper to designate yeah. it. But yeah, even uh, looking back at it now, man, there's, like, a lot of cool stuff that was announced, like Tunic and, you know, heaps of stuff around Suicide Squad, Star Wars Eclipse, Wonder Woman, which I've totally forgotten about, but that's coming out. Like, who the hell's making that again? Monolith. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's <coughs> yeah, right. so Alan Awake. Alan remember, Wake, fuck two. Remember, there's Alan an. In, do you remember there's an Indiana Jones game? Yes, by Machine Bethesda. Games and Todd Howard. Well, Todd Howard, I think, is pretty involved in that. So yeah, yeah. Oh man. And people um, are talking about that's still going to come out on PlayStation. I'm like, I just don't see it, man. So yeah, the, all right, the, cool, man. Well, we'll do it. Like, see if Mike is uh, willing to be a good player. Good, we'd uh, have to drag him along. He's, nah, uh, he's... fuck him. <laughs> Let's replace him. Let's get Joe Jones on. If he if he doesn't react to the game awards, then his his predictions of the game awards have to be randomised. I think, <laughs> but then that's scary because he could win with a randomised. No, but that'd be funny if he won with that a randomised. Funny, and we'll um, have to agree on the rules because you two whinged that I won last year because of. <laughs> I just remembered that as well with the game awards because it takes two, which I was adamant was going to win. I didn't. I not all the way leading up. I'm like. It's going to win. I'm telling you guys. It's going to fucking win. And have you played it yet? <coughs> no, because you guys are assholes. I was thinking about this today. I'm like, these guys, I do almost 100 episodes about gaming, and these motherfuckers will not play It Takes Two with me. That's sad. That's an indictment on you guys, not me. Well, uh, I, I might not be playing It Takes Two, but next week I'll be playing a game, and it relates to the last thing I'll point out from this is... JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R comes out next week and they revealed the last three characters um, two that were rumoured because of leaks but we have Trish, Pesciuto and Pesci um, who are dual character and Giacho and they also confirmed that Pucci who's the, the big bad of part six will only have his white snake move set so they're actually changing his character but they're actually pretty cool so they're actually so basically just imagine it like um Pokemon uh, trainer in Smash mm. they're taking one of the, the like Bulbasaur or whatever right yeah. like they kind of did they're splitting it out to be its own character and then they're going to add in the original one back in in a free update later so yeah. basically kind of what they did with Charizard yeah but, but then but, you're saying then kind of go back to being Pokemon yeah. trainer okay, and the reason weird. is I think that um, that ca- the original version of that character was quite hard to pull off the you need to do crazy stuff like chant 12, 13 words or something like that. You, yeah. you need to do some stuff where it's it's just too difficult to use. So, But there's obviously people that probably like that, so they're going to add that character back mm. in as it was as a separate version later. So, that uh, yeah, that game comes out um, next week, and I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. That's a CPS3 game, right? Like, same in, same soft uh, No, no. Uh, no, it's so a different game. Okay. The, this is the 3D um, remaster version of, of like, yeah, you're talking Heritage of the Future, which was um, the CPS3 game. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm not familiar. Jo- anything JoJo, I just don't know anything about it. I haven't I mean, I, the content. So. I've, I've, I've talked about it enough on the show. It's basically the... It's the remaster of the PS3 3, uh, 3D um, like yes. 2.5D yes, fighter. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes, yeah. yes. 
Yeah, the only other thing <coughs> that I was shouting out was um, that DeNovo is coming to Switch. Now, DeNovo should send a shutter through every PC gamer. You know, not if you're, you know, if you're a totally legit gamer, buy every game you have. Like, DeNovo has caused many games to run very poorly. Mm. And especially fuck over people with lower-end machines. Just unnecessarily checking things and doing all this other kind of stuff. And they're actually introducing it to the Switch shortly. And there's actually a call-out that they said, like, you know, one part, one thing they were pointing to was um, Metroid Dread, which they were able to detect had a lot of people play that game through emulators because it got cracked within one day because you actually have to crack the Switch games to be able to play Mm -hmm. them. I've never done that before, but yeah, there's a bit of a process involved. And what they're trying to do with this is it's not really for folks that like have got the physical game. It's actually affecting the emulator to actually play the software. They're doing something to interrupt that. And they're going to, like, release it with every new game that, like, at least Nintendo produces. So, pretty interesting stuff. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all eventuates. I think, ultimately, the whole point is, you know, and you see this in the movie field as well, if they can buy, like, a couple of weeks where no one can pirate it, that's enough for them. You know what I mean? Like, mm. because you kind of got that wave of people that want to play something and that will be like, ah, oh, I'm just going to buy it, legit. You know, because I can't get it anywhere else. So I think that's all they're trying to capture in the market, but man, it's a lot of muck around just to get that. It's a shame that the the original Switch was so hackable. It's like ridiculously <laughs> hackable that's kind of causes this consequence. So that was the only big thing that I was going to shout out as well. Was there anything else that you had? No? Nope. No, I think uh, that's time to wrap up the big sizzler. The big sizzler. <laughs> Not sure if that's going to stick. I know, maybe we need to have brackets. <laughs> Buffet. <laughs> so yeah next week you're going to cover Jojo's Bizarre Adventure I don't think there's any other major gaming things that we know on the horizon um, Last of Us Part 1 comes out on uh, this week so that's going to be fascinating to see how that lands with everyone um, yeah like I don't know man I, I, I'm going to be super fascinated to see how people review that game I, I'm sure it's probably going to be great but the fact that you know, we were talking about it. Um, just, just the cost of that game is just yeah, like kind of just lot. ridiculous. Best for price game, you can get in Australia is like a hundred dollars, which is a lot for a game that's like I know it's a remaster and there's a lot of work, but yeah, it just seems a bit strange to me. Yeah, I think <laughs> there should be, there should almost be like a rule where like remasters remake shouldn't be like it's almost like an unwritten rule they shouldn't cost like more than what the original game did you know but uh yeah and you know like one thing i'll call out is there's a there's an example and this is why i'm really going to be fascinated to see how this game gets reviewed and everything like that right so god of war 3 came out ps3 super claim game like 92 on metacritic which tells you something doesn't tell you everything then the PS4 version, which came out pretty shortly after it, the, the God of War 3 remastered version. Which is which, the one I'm playing. Which, when I talk to people about it, they go, it's amazing. It's like the best version of it. Yeah, like, that's the version to play, right? That got 10, uh, sorry, 11 points less. 81 out of 100 on the PS4, right? And I actually went back, being the weird nerd that I am, and read some of the reviews, because I think there's a lot of parallels with Last of Us. And people are just like, why did they do this? It just came out, like, it seems like... And, and literally, they're like, and for the price, the fact that you're paying more than what the original was... Was 
PS4 backwards compatible with PS3 at all? Uh, no, 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 no. PS3 is super incompatible. Well, yeah, so the reason I would say that is like if you wanted to play that game on the system, then you had to buy that version, whereas you can still play The Last of Us remastered Correct. on your PS5. Correct. So. And like, you know, and dude, you should actually, I, you know, you're not going to do it, but you should read some of these God of War 3 remastered reviews. It's like you could copy and paste Last of Us Part 1 and, you know, replace that over God of War 3 remastered. Because people were like, I look at it side by side and it's really hard to tell which one's better or worse. It's like a debate, one's better than the other. The one, the original looks amazing still. You know, like people are just blasting it. And I'm like, wow. I, you know, I've been flagging this that I feel like Sony is going to get the screw turn on it a little bit with some reviewers. Like, I don't expect Ragnarok to blow the lights out from a review stance. And yeah, I'm going to be really fascinated to see how people review Last of Us this week part one because it's in their hands they all have it now but i i don't know i'm just getting a feeling that people are going to look at it and go yeah it's last of us like last of us is great like you know does this should this cost 125 dollars in australia Mm. like it seems a bit far-fetched but we'll see we'll see interesting just the last thing on the last of us is uh they actually removed the like more difficult trophies um in this version so there's no like hard difficulty or whatever they called it um trophy i don't think there's a new game plus trophy as well they basically made it more accessible from a trophy standpoint as well so interesting well that's almost wokeifying it isn't it oh uh, don't oh well, well go work Get broke, come on, man. Well, but come dude, on. you know, come they, on, they, but come this on, is, mate. but this is, this is becoming a big thing in gaming where it's infiltrating the studios where people are like, games shouldn't be so hard that people can't beat them. And I'm like, I don't know about this, man. I'm very comfortable that there are games out there that I can't beat. Like, I'm fully okay with that, right? Like, I was looking at Dark Souls. I'm like, maybe I can't beat this game, man. Maybe this game is too freaking hard, right? You know, I watched another Sekiro playthrough um, yeah. like, the, the other week, and I'm like, I think it's time. I think Ooh. it's time to finally start, to finally play Sekiro. It's time! <laughs> it's time. <laughs> Damn. Okay, tell me when, man, because I want to play it as well. Because it's kind of like, it's weird. I, <laughs> obviously, nothing replaces actually playing the game, but it's like... Oh, I you know now, everything how it works. It's yeah. just like, I understand the mechanics so much more from this playthrough that like, I'm like... Oh, now I can kind of understand how this stuff is coming together and it's it's stupid because you need to play the game to learn it. But it's like, I feel like it doesn't feel as unapproachable as uh, I originally kind of thought, which is weird because I love the Souls games, but Sekiro is just on another level in my head. But... I, I, like, and it's a shame because it's like not the greatest version, but I think it would actually be funny for the show. Like, you know, and we'd have to figure out how the setup works. But it'd be I think it would be super funny if you played Bloodborne, like and we streamed it and reacted like I was there reacting to it or talking to you or whatever, right? Because it'd be funny to go, This guy is legitimately playing Bloodborne for the first time ever, right? But I think the thing like, is I know where all the items exactly, are. <laughs> exactly. I think that would be there's something funny in my head around that idea. It's like Hand so, on heart, you could go, yes, I've never played it. I've never played one single minute of the game. And this is me playing it for the first time. I know. So many people be like, oh, how do, what do I do with the brain immensus? How do I do that? It's like, oh, I'm like, I'll just go so here I don't even know what those things do. are. Yeah, I'm like, I'll go here and do this. And this, uh, there we go, it's solved. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be funny. I reckon <laughs> I could hype it up, but I could say this might be the first bastard's first playthrough of this game ever. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be awesome. All right, uh, we'll, we'll put that in the evergreen content. Um, with that, anything else from you, Swinny, before we wrap up? No, let's nope. wrap it up to save right, both awesome. of our throats. Yes. <laughs> That's what she said. All right, bye-bye. See ya.